my math test today. And dad said, son, he said, don't say that. That's being negative. He said, you need to be positive. He said, okay, dad, I'm positive I flunked my math test today. Oh, I am positive that Jesus is alive. He is risen. We don't believe in a dead man. We believe in the risen Savior. We don't obey a dead man. We obey the risen Savior. We don't pray to a dead man. We pray to the risen Savior. We don't trust in a dead man. We trust in the risen Savior. We don't worship a dead man. We worship the risen Savior. We don't have a relationship with a dead man. We have a relationship with the risen Savior, King Jesus. Jesus is alive. He is risen. Say that with me out loud. Jesus is alive. He is risen. One more time. Jesus is alive. He is risen. We believe in the resurrection of Jesus because it's true. We celebrate the resurrection of Jesus because it's true. We tell others about the resurrection of Jesus because it's true. Jesus Christ came to this earth years and years ago. He lived a perfect life. He was tempted as we are tempted, yet he never sinned. He died on the cross in our place, paying the price for our sins. They took his dead body down and placed him in the tomb. He was buried there in the tomb. And on the third day, Jesus rose again by the power of God, and he walked out of the tomb alive. Jesus is alive. He is risen. Listen, Christianity rises and falls on the accuracy, the reliability, and the truthfulness of the resurrection of Jesus. It literally rises and falls on the resurrection. John R.W. Stott, a prominent Bible scholar and author, said Christianity is in its very essence a resurrection religion. The concept of resurrection lies at its heart. If you remove it, Christianity is destroyed. William Lane Craig, a noted author and apologist, said this, without the belief in the resurrection, the Christian faith could not have come into being. Mark Coppinger, seminary professor and pastor, said this, if we're not careful, we can lose sight of the truth that the reality of the Christian life, every aspect of it, hinges on the reality of the resurrection. The resurrection of Jesus is the foundation for our faith in Jesus. Without the resurrection, our faith is futile and we are still in our sins. We are helpless and hopeless without God in this world. Praise God, the resurrection is true and Jesus is alive. Open your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 28. We're going to take another look in these next few moments at this amazing, this fantastic, this miraculous message of the resurrection of Jesus. All of the gospel authors, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, wrote the same message, Jesus is alive, he is risen. And so we're going to look at Matthew's account in chapter 28. His synopsis of the resurrection Sunday morning, we see here, Matthew 28, I'll begin reading in verse 1. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to view the tomb. It was a violent earthquake because an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and approached the tomb. 
He rolled the stone back and was sitting on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards were so shaken by fear of him that they became like dead men. The angel of the Lord told the women, don't be afraid because I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here for he is risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go and quickly tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead, and indeed he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Listen, I have told you. So, departing quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, they ran to tell his disciples the news. Just then, Jesus met them and said, greetings. They came up, took hold of the seat, and worshiped him. Then Jesus told them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and they will see me there. What a way to start these ladies' day. What a start. That resurrection Sunday morning. The other gospel writers tell us that it wasn't just Mary and Mary Magdalene, but there were some other ladies with them at this point in time as well. But Matthew chose to focus specifically on Mary and Mary Magdalene. These two Marys went to the tomb that Sunday morning, early that resurrection morning, expecting to find the dead body of Jesus in the tomb. Instead, they survived an earthquake, they saw the empty tomb, and they heard an angel of the Lord tell them Jesus is alive. What a morning. What a start to their day. I want us to take just a few moments and look at a few points about this amazing announcement again. We've read this announcement many, many times before. We know what Easter means. We know the significance of Easter. And yet I want us to look at this passage once again because I believe God has some amazing truth for us once again in this passage as we look at it together. So the first point we see is the resurrection is a message of promise. It's a message of promise. Look in chapter 28 in verse 6. Matthew wrote, he is not here. This is the angel speaking. He is not here for he has risen just as he said. Say that out loud with me. Just as he said. One more time. Just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Just as he said. Follow me now. Just as he said points to the reality that Jesus told his disciples about his death burial, and resurrection on three different occasions before it actually happened. He told them it was going to happen. The third of these occasions is in Matthew chapter 20. So if you want to turn to your left, just a couple of pages, you can turn to Matthew 20. This is the third of these occasions where Jesus is speaking to his disciples. And I'll begin reading in verse 17. Matthew wrote these words, while going up to Jerusalem, Jesus took the 12 disciples aside privately and sent them on the way. So he's got these guys to the side. He's talking to them. He says, see, we're going up to Jerusalem. The son of man will be handed over to the chief priests and scribes, and they will condemn him to death. They will hand him over to the Gentiles to be mocked, flogged, and crucified. And on the third day, he will be raised. What does this mean? What means this? Jesus was not afraid of what was to come. Jesus was not confused by what was ahead of him. Jesus was not surprised by what happened to him. Jesus was not stressed out 
about what was to come later. Jesus joyfully, lovingly, obediently, willingly laid his life down for you and for me. Everything Jesus said would happen, happened. The disciples, however, didn't understand what Jesus said about his death, burial, and resurrection until after his death, burial, and resurrection. And you know, there's no one better at making and keeping promises than Jesus. God's word is full of his promises to you and to me, and he is faithful to keep every one of them with you and me. As we trust in the Lord with all of our heart, as we lean not on our own understanding, as we think about God in all our ways, he will make our paths straight. As we delight ourselves in the Lord, he will give us the desires of our heart. As we confess our sins to God, he is faithful and just, and he will forgive us, cleanse us, and purify us of all of our unrighteousness. As we call out to the Lord, he will answer us and show us great and unsearchable things that we don't know. As we seek God, as we ask, seek, and knock with God in prayer, he will hear our prayers and he will answer our prayers according to his will for us, which is best for us. As we hide God's word in our hearts, God will help us to say no to sin. As we humble ourselves before the Lord, God will lift us up in his due time. As we humble ourselves before the Lord, he will give us grace. Why do we know these truths are actual, they're real, they're factual? Because we know that God fulfills his promises. Everyone, he's fulfilled. And he is going to continue fulfilling those promises that have yet to be fulfilled. It is impossible for us to injure ourselves or to hurt ourselves leaning on God's promises. It's impossible for us to hurt ourselves trusting in God's promises. The resurrection is a message of promise. Secondly, the resurrection is a message of love. The resurrection of Jesus shouts God's amazing, crazy love for you and me. Jesus said, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Jesus said, greater love is no one than this, than he laid down his life for his friends. John told us, God revealed his love among us in this way. He sent his one and only son in the world so that we might live through him. Love consists in this, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Listen, the meaning and the message and the motivation behind the cross of Calvary and the empty tomb is God's love for you and me in Jesus. God's got a crazy, amazing love for us. And he showed it to us in his son, our Savior, Jesus. The resurrection of Jesus shares and shows God's love for us. Think about it. God didn't just say, I love you. God said, I love you. And then God showed us he loved us by sending his son, Jesus, to earth to rescue us from our sins. Jesus didn't just say, I love you. <clears throat> he said, I love you. And then he went to the cross in our place, paying the price for our sins so that we could have a relationship with God. The resurrection of Jesus shares and shows 
God's love for us. Therefore, we also know the resurrection of Jesus compels us to share and show God's love to one another and to all those that God places around us. We understand that we're to share and show God's love to one another. We're not just to say we love one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. We're to show it. Jesus said, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all people will know you are my disciples if you love one another. So it's vitally important for us to love one another's brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus because we need one another's love. We need to receive it. We need to give it. But we also need to receive and give it because as we love one another, it also reveals to those outside the family of God, to those who have not yet placed their faith in Christ Jesus, it lets them know that we are really disciples, followers, children of God by the way in which we love. Because that love that we have for one another is also supposed to overflow our lives and it's to flood onto all those that God places around us. That's why Jesus said the greatest commandment of all the law is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Paul encouraged us that we're to be imitators of God and live a life of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So we understand and realize the importance of the resurrection includes, it's a message of promise to us. God's faithful to his promises to us. He made the way open for us to know him through the resurrection of Jesus. It's also a message of love, God's love for us and our love that we're to show to those around us. Which brings us to the reality that that also means that we're to show this love of God that we have inside of us to those who are around us, both our brothers and sisters in Christ and all those around us, which includes those who are easy to love and those who are not so easy to love. You know those folks. We all have folks in our lives. At times, we are those folks. At times, I am that person who is hard to love. And yet God loved me. At my most difficult, depraved point, he loved me. And therefore, he calls us to love others. That's what this resurrection means for us. It's a message of love. The resurrection is also a message of peace. As you look in the gospel accounts of the resurrection of Jesus, you'll see and find that the first words of Jesus to his disciples after his resurrection included his blessing of peace on them. He blessed them with his peace. Peace means to join or bring together that which was separated. It means to set at one again. Peace means to have harmony. Before our faith in Jesus Christ, and you can think back to that time in your life, maybe that might be where you are right now. And so before faith in Christ Jesus, we didn't have peace. You see, we were enemies of God. Before our faith in Christ Jesus, we were at war with God due to our sin against God. We were separated from God because of our sin, and we were living in rebellion against God in opposition to God. There was no peace between us and God because the sin in our lives separated us from God. Jesus, however, opened the way for us to have peace with God. Jesus opened the way for us to be brought back together, to be joined together, to be bound together with God those of us who were once separated from God because of our sin, Jesus made the way for us to be bound together with God. Jesus opened the way for us to have harmony 
with God. As Paul told us, Jesus himself is our peace. Those of us who are far away from God because of our sin against God have been brought near to God by the blood Jesus shed for us on the cross of Calvary. That's why Paul said in Romans 5 and verse 1, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we know peace now is the sense of calm in our lives. Peace is the sense of calm in our lives that we have because we know everything is right between us and God. This peace that the Bible talks about, this peace that Jesus blessed his disciples with shortly after his resurrection, lets us know no matter what is happening to us, no matter who is coming against us, no matter how, ma- how mountainous the obstacles may be in our lives, we, in the face of any and every one of those, in the face of conflict with others, whatever is happening to us, we can, as followers of Jesus, be at peace. Why? Because we know everything is okay between us and God. Because of Jesus Christ, we have peace. That's what Jesus said. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. He said, in this world you will have troubles, trials, difficulties, sufferings. But take heart, be courageous. I have conquered the world. I have overcome the world. You see, the resurrection of Jesus means we can have peace with God. The resurrection of Jesus also means we can have the peace of God in our lives. We can have the peace of God. This relationship with Jesus helps to keep us from stressing out all the time. And so God wants us to embrace his peace in our lives. The resurrection of Jesus opens the way for us to have peace with God. So God certainly wants us to embrace his peace in our lives. We embrace God's peace in our lives in the midst of the chaos around us, in the midst of the hurt in our lives, in the midst of the difficulties, in the midst of the conflict. We're able to embrace God's peace in our lives as we focus on God, as we depend on God, as we ask for his forgiveness day by day, as we follow Jesus by faith, trusting that he will lead and guide us as he promises to do. He will do just that. And he'll empower us to live out and to walk in this peace, reminding us that he's with us and therefore everything's okay. But God also not only wants us to embrace his peace, which totally makes sense to us because God loves us. He wants us to embrace that peace, but he also wants us to extend that peace to others. He wants us to live in peace with others. Matter of fact, the scripture says, Paul said in Romans chapter 12, as far as it depends on you, if possible, Live in peace with everyone. Live in peace with everyone. Now, there's some encouragement in that verse, and it's at the first part of that verse. It says, if possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Why is that encouraging? It's encouraging because not everyone will live in peace with us. We're called to live in peace with others. But there will be times in our lives and relationships that we may have that the other individual just will simply refuse to live in peace with us. We're not responsible for that. What we're responsible to do is, if it's possible, as far as it depends on us, the words that we say, the actions that we take, the things that we do, we're to make sure, as far as it depends on us, that we're able to live in peace with others. And the good news is, the Holy Spirit, who lives in us as followers of Jesus Christ, produces the fruit of peace in our lives, which allows us then to do all we can to live in peace with those around us. It's difficult when we're in the middle of conflict 
It's difficult when the person that we're in conflict with, we're doing all we can to live in peace with them, but they just simply refuse to live in peace. When that happens, we continue to trust God to empower us to live in peace, regardless of their response. And we then just continue to simply pray for them, that God would work in their lives and bring them to a point of peace. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ allows this peace to, to pour into our lives and to pour through our lives onto those around us. You see, the resurrection of Jesus has everything to do with our salvation, but the resurrection of Jesus has everything as well to do with our sanctification, our growth, our spiritual growth and maturity in Christ Jesus. Day by day, these are truths that we need. We need to live on the promises of God. We need to receive and express the love of God. We need to live in peace with others. We need to embrace the peace of God in our lives today, this day, this week. We also know the resurrection is a message of endurance. It's also a message of endurance. And we see in Hebrews chapter 12, if you want to turn real quickly to your right, in Hebrews, turn to Hebrews chapter 12, and you can make your way there. Hebrews chapter 12, we see this become very clear to us that the resurrection is a message of endurance. And let's uh, stop for just a second and let's just bow in prayer. Let's bow in prayer, if you would. Uh, let's just bow in prayer. I'm going to uh, lift a prayer up to the Father. Father God, we thank you for this morning. And I pray right now uh, for what is going on. Father God, I pray that you would be glorified. I pray that you would uh, just use your hand of power, your hand of healing, your hand of wisdom, your hand of understanding. God, I pray that whatever is happening, you would take care of the situation. God, I pray that you would bring peace. I pray that you would bring healing. I pray that you would bring comfort. I pray that you would bring strength. I pray, Father God, that everything that needs to happen will happen. I pray that you would use those who are caring for this one. I pray that you would bless them, use them as your hands and your feet. Father God, we trust you. We believe in you. We pray these things to you. Father God, we know that you are here. We know that you hear us. We know that you answer us. We know that your answers are always best for us. And so, Father God, in the name of Jesus right now, I pray that that is exactly what would happen. And we pray your peace in this situation, in this circumstance. For it is in Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Let's um, continue to uh, look at this point, and I believe we're we'll, we'll, uh, able to continue moving forward here. Uh, and uh, we're at the point that resurrection is a message of endurance. In Hebrews chapter 12, if you want to make your way there, it's on page 1087. Hebrews chapter 12, page 1087, it's a message of endurance. I want to read what the author of Hebrews wrote. He wrote these words, Therefore, since we have also such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us. Keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith, for the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So we see here this clear understanding that the resurrection of Jesus Christ highlights the endurance of Jesus. The resurrection of Jesus Christ highlights the endurance of Jesus. We know endurance literally means to persevere. It means to bear bravely. It means to hold fast. It means to take patiently. 
It means to stand firm and not flee. So we know Jesus here, the writer of Hebrews, highlighted the endurance of Jesus. Jesus endured and persevered through the pain, the humiliation, the torture of the cross. He endured for you and for me. Now you stop and think about it. Jesus endured the false accusations against him. Jesus endured the soldiers mocking him. Jesus endured the soldiers spitting on him. Jesus endured the soldiers beating him. Jesus endured the disciples deserting him. Jesus endured Peter denying him. Jesus endured the crown of thorns being driven into his skull. Jesus endured the nails being driven into his hands and feet. Jesus endured the pain of the cross for you and for me. Jesus did not run and escape from the mob that arrested him, which he certainly could have. Jesus did not call down angels from heaven to rescue him from the cross, which he certainly could have. Jesus did not strike down the soldiers who were mocking, spitting, beating him, and who put him on the cross of Calvary, which he could have. Jesus instead endured for the glory of God. Jesus endured in his obedience to God. Jesus endured in his dependence on God. Jesus endured as he kept his eyes on God the Father. The writer here of Hebrews says that for the joy that lay before him, as Jesus lived on this earth, he kept his eyes on God. How do we know this? He continued to focus on the joy that lay before him. The reason he came to earth in the first place, he focused on the reality that he was called to fulfill God's plan for his life, which was to rescue us from our sins, and he was to return then to God to sit at the right hand of the throne of God, which is exactly what he did. You see, Jesus endured and persevered through the pain of the cross for you and for me so that we could receive forgiveness from God, so that we could know God, so that we could live for God, so that we could spend eternity with God. Jesus endured so we can endure. Jesus persevered so we can persevere. Jesus overcame so we can overcome. Now we know God allows us, and this might be where you are, at this point in time in your life, in your walk with the Lord, in your relationship with God, and your relationships with those that God has around you, God allows us to go through times of difficulties, challenges, trials, tribulations, tests, troubles, and even times of sufferings to develop the endurance of our faith in him. So James said, consider it all joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because the testing of your faith develops endurance. He said, let endurance have its full work, so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. So God allows us to go through challenging times to develop the endurance of our faith in him, because that's what's best for us. Here's the difficult part about developing endurance. The difficult part about developing endurance is we have to endure through the difficulties, challenges, tests, trials, troubles, and times of suffering. 
But as we look to Jesus and as we depend on Jesus, we know that he will empower us to endure in our faith in him. As we look to Jesus and depend on Jesus, he will empower us to endure in our obedience to him. As we look to Jesus and depend on Jesus, he will empower us to not grow weary and give up. And you may be here this morning and your testimony, if you were honest, is, Mark, I'm weary. I'm weary. And I'm ready to give up in this circumstance, in this relationship, on this situation. I'm ready to give up. And I want you to hear what the Lord is saying to you. The resurrection of Jesus its a message of endurance. God's with you. God's at work in you. And God is wanting to use that very issue, that very challenge, that very difficult situation to develop the endurance of your faith because God has something for you. As he continues growing you and maturing you, He's got something for you, and he wants you to not grow weary, to not give up, to continue to trust in him and rely on him. The resurrection is also a message of praise. Man, the resurrection of Jesus is packed with praise. We see this all throughout this amazing story. The ladies, Mary and Mary Magdalene, when they saw the resurrected Jesus, when Jesus said greetings, they ran and they grabbed a hold of his feet and they worshiped him. The disciples, when they saw Jesus after he had risen from the dead, they worshiped him. Luke told us in Luke chapter 24 about this scene. In Luke 24, beginning in verse 50, Luke said, Then Jesus led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, which is just outside Jerusalem, and lifting up his hands, Jesus blessed them. As he was blessing them, he left them and was carried up to heaven. Hello. Let's just stop right there. I don't think we can read that and just continue on like nothing's going on here. Do you see that? Then Jesus led them out to the vicinity. The risen Jesus led all his disciples and followers out to Bethany, which is just outside of Jerusalem. And he's lifting up his hands and he's blessing them. How awesome is that? You can't get any better than having King Jesus bless you. And then, as if that's not good enough, as he's blessing them, all of a sudden they're there and they're receiving the blessing, they're worshiping him, and then he ascends to heaven and sits at the right hand of the throne of God. After worshiping him, they returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they were continually in the temple praising God. These Christ followers were continually over and over and over again praising God. Why? Because Jesus was alive. He was risen indeed. They knew this, and everything changed because Jesus was alive. And they worshiped, they praised God because of the risen and exalted Savior, King Jesus. Listen, if the resurrection of Jesus doesn't create and spark in us a desire to praise the risen Savior, then nothing will. Nothing will. Jesus is alive, so we can praise him. Jesus conquered sin and death for us so we can praise him. Jesus offers us forgiveness of sins so we can praise him. Jesus is the only way into a relationship with God so we can praise him. Jesus is coming back for us to take us to be with him forever so we can praise him. It's like the words of the old hymn, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future. I know that life is worth a living just because he lives. Jesus is alive. Think about it. Worship would be a waste of time and praise would be pointless without the resurrection of Jesus. And then we finally see that the message of the resurrection, it's a message of power. 
Luke shared in Acts chapter 2. He focused on this aspect of the power of the resurrection. He said, fellow Israelites, listen to these words. He's preaching. Peter's preaching the sermon. And so Luke is recording Peter's sermon here in Jerusalem. He said, this Jesus of Nazareth with a man attested to you by God with miracles, wonders, and signs that God did among you through him, just as you yourselves know. Though he was delivered up according to God's determined plan and foreknowledge, you used lawless people to nail him to a cross and kill him. God raised him up, ending the pains of death because it was not possible for him to be held by death. God raised Jesus to life by his great and awesome power. Amen? He raised him to life, and the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you and me and as followers of Jesus Christ. Death had no hold on Jesus. And as followers of Jesus, death doesn't have a hold on us. We know we're going to spend eternity with God in heaven one day. When we close our eyes on this side of heaven, we're going to open them in the presence of our almighty God. And we'll live forever with him. You see, we have new life, abundant life, eternal life with God by faith in Jesus. The resurrection is a message of power. We live for Jesus and we love like Jesus by the power of Jesus at work in us as we humbly surrender to Jesus day by day. You see, we are victors in Christ Jesus. We are overcomers in Christ Jesus. We are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is alive. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Friday night, this past Friday night, early in the evening, I uh, was exercising at the gym. And as I finished exercising at the gym, I was making my way out and uh, as I made my way out, I was walking by the front desk and uh, get, to, get past the front desk to get to the door to go out uh, in my car. And so I was making my way, and uh, as I was passing by, uh, one of my friend, Kim and I's friends that work at the front desk, uh, she was there, and uh, they're always so friendly. I always say goodbye and hello when you come in there. And so as I was walking by uh, and headed to the exit, she said, Happy Thanksgiving! kind of stopped, turned smiled, and that's, and she immediately started laughing. And her friends that were behind the desk were started laughing. And she said, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. She said, I don't know why I said happy Thanksgiving. I mean, happy Easter. And I smiled and I said, happy Easter to you. And they kept laughing and I walked out the door and went, got my car. As I got my car, and as I started to leave, the Lord started speaking to me. And the Lord said, hey, your friend was right. She was right. Easter is a time of thanksgiving. The Lord said, if there's ever a day for thanksgiving and every day is a day of thanksgiving for us it's resurrection sunday it's a day for us to be thankful for all that god has done for us in christ jesus the resurrection of jesus and all that it means for us should produce in us overwhelming thankfulness and the lord's just ministering all the way home, kept dwelling on that. Yesterday, 
I went back to the gym to exercise and I was hoping and praying that my friend would be there. Went in, exercise and same routine as I was coming out. She was sitting at the front desk. She's on the phone, so I waited for just a few moments. Just got off and I went over to her. I said, I just want to take a minute of your time. I said, do you remember yesterday when I was leaving and you said, happy Thanksgiving. And then you started laughing and your friends laughed and we all laughed and you just said, happy Easter. And she said, yeah. I said, I want to let you know you weren't wrong in what you said. Easter is a time of thanksgiving for us. I said, I think you actually said it best. Happy Thanksgiving. Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and what that means for us. I said, we have every reason every day, but especially on Easter weekend, especially on Resurrection Sunday, we have every reason to give thanks to the Lord. So, so I just wanted you to know that. I said, I, I think you're actually right when you said Happy Thanksgiving. She smiled. She said, well, thank you so much. She said, it makes sense. I said, I appreciate you sharing that with me. And I turned to continue out the door, and the guy who was working at the desk on the other side. He was overhearing our conversation. And so as I turned to walk out the door, he said real loud, Happy Easter! And in tandem, my friend and I turned and said to him, and Happy Thanksgiving. Why is the resurrection of Jesus Christ so important? The answer is simple. Without the resurrection of Jesus, we would have no way to get to God. The only requirement for us to have a relationship with God is to be perfect. God's perfect. So if we want to have a relationship with God, we've got to be perfect. Well, we've not met that requirement because of the sin in our lives. The Bible tells us we're all sinners. We've all said, thought, and done things that are unpleasing to God. We've all turned and gone our own way. There's none of us righteous, no, not one. And the Bible tells us that our sin against God actually separates us from God. And there is nothing we can do, no amount of good works that we can do, to get rid of our sin, to somehow erase our sin so that we can have a relationship with a perfect God. The Bible tells us we need a Savior. We need someone who can take away our sin for us. We need someone who can bring us to God. We need someone who can meet God's requirement for us so that through their work, we can be made right with a perfect God. And the Bible tells us that Jesus is our Savior. Jesus did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. Jesus came to this earth years ago, and he lived a perfect life. He was tempted as we're tempted, but he never sinned. He died on the cross in our place, paying the price for our sins, so that when he died on that cross, he defeated sin once and for all. He was perfect. He defeated sin. He was buried in the tomb, and on the third day, Jesus rose again by the power of God, walked out of the tomb alive. Therefore, he defeated death for you and me. And therefore, we know Jesus, the Son of God, Jesus, the risen Savior, is the only way for us to enter into a relationship with God. We are able to receive forgiveness of sin by the blood Jesus shed for us, his perfect blood on the cross of Calvary. We enter a relationship with God as we trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary for us. 
as we were able to receive forgiveness and sin and enter a relationship with God by his grace through our faith in Christ Jesus. The Bible tells us that we simply must believe in Jesus, believe who he says he is, believe what he told us he came to do, and then we just must receive him by faith. John told us, yet to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God to those who believed in his name. Paul said that if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts God raised him from the dead, we'll be saved. So the hearts that we believe in are justified. It's with our mouths that we confess and are saved. He also said that everyone who calls in the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved. And there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Luke said, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved than the name of Jesus. And Jesus Christ himself said, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. We receive God's gift of salvation by His grace through our faith in Christ. Jesus.